Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Father, I thank you for the power of your word and the power of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you are building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Father, I pray today that this word would transform our hearts. It would renew our minds. It would draw us closer to you. It would teach us something about you we've never learned before. I pray for people here today who may not know you, that, Lord, their hearts would be open, O oh God, and their hearts would be drawn towards you. Father, I pray today that the gift of faith would be given through your word. And Lord, that Jesus would be glorified. Lord, we pray and seek the welfare of our city. We are praying, O oh God, for a turnaround, a transformation, a revival, O oh God. We pray, O oh God, that there would be such a great move of your spirit. And Lord, that sick bodies would be healed and lives would be changed. And Father, people who are needing provision and work, O oh God, that you would provide for them. And Father, we're just expecting today that you're going to do a new thing inside of our hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Well, I want to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 139, verse 23. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. Just look on the screen. And I'm going to take you to three different passages of Scripture. Uh, by the way, I'd invite every believer, bring your Bible to church and let's not just look at the screen uh, because we need to be people of the Word. Um, Psalm 139, verse 23 says this, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want you to go over to Psalm 51 now. Psalm 51, I'm gonna read verses 16 and 17. This is another prayer of David. He says, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Then I want you to go over to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter six. And uh, we're gonna read verse eight and a little bit of verse nine. It says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go and speak to this people. We're in a season where we're talking about prayer and communication with God and intimacy with God. I wanna speak to you on a subject, change your prayers, change your life. Change your prayers, change your life. Now, to be honest with you, my prayer life over the last couple of years of the pandemic has been a bit of a roller coaster as I'm sure you may have experienced. And never have I prayed harder over the last two years, but never have I had more prayers unanswered than in the last two years. And there is a mystery to prayer that sometimes can become discouraging to our connection and engagement in our relationship with God. Albert Einstein was once asked by a student what was left for original dissertation research and he answered, study prayer. We have not exhausted the full potential of prayer. Do you ever wonder why God seems to answer some prayers, but not others? Am I the only unspiritual person in the room that sometimes God doesn't seem to answer 
Some prayers, but then others are answered very quickly. If God isn't answering your prayers, you essentially have three options. The first option is to persist. All throughout the Bible, we have historical example after example of people who persisted in prayer until they got their breakthrough. And so maybe for you today, it's just continue to persist in prayer. When Jesus taught on the parable of the persistent widow, it was to teach us that we ought always to pray and not lose heart and that unlike the unjust judge, we have a just God who is faithful in giving us what it is that we are persistently believing and praying for. If God isn't answering your prayers, another option is rather than talking to Him about what's on your heart, talk to Him about what's on His heart. Often we're so busy with uh, what is important to us that we neglect what God wants to talk about with us. And so maybe it's not just reading the Scriptures to go, okay, what is on God's heart? What is the priority of His heart? But maybe it's also asking Him a question. God, speak to me about what's on your heart. You see, God wants to speak to you even more than you want to hear. And so we are in communication with a God that still speaks today. He primarily speaks through His Word, but in our own personal intimacy with Him, He can speak into our hearts and that Word will not contradict His written Word. The third option is if God isn't answering your prayers, search the Scriptures for the prayers that He does answer and start praying those prayers. Because the Bible is filled with all sorts of prayers that God answered throughout history. And it's important that we understand what they are. One of the reasons why God doesn't answer prayers at times is they're filled with more religion than they are relationship. They're filled with ritual. They're, They're filled with all sorts of words and terms, but it's not heartfelt because it doesn't come from a revelation of relationship. Jesus spoke to this. In Matthew 6, 5, the Sermon on the Mount, when he says, when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites who love to stand and pray in synagogues, excuse me, and on street corners, that they may be seen by others. He continues, when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases, thinking you'll be heard for your many words. In other words, cut to the chase, get to the point. Your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Simple, authentic and heartfelt prayers not only attract God's attention, but are actually inherently dangerous. Because the more honest you get with God, it seems to be the more seriously He takes your prayers. We see an example of this in Luke 22 and Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and He's praying, He's living under the shadow of impending death on the cross. He's in the final hours of his life. He's aware that everything is about to pivot in his life and he is about to face death. And he says, Father, if it be your will, please take this cup of suffering away from me. I don't really want to go through this because no one in their right mind wants to go through suffering. But yet not my will, but your will be done. Simple, authentic, heartfelt, dangerous. Another reason for unanswered prayer is willful sin that we haven't repented of. The Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, if I had cherished iniquity, which is another word for sin, in my heart, the Lord would not 
have listened. You need to know that sin and self-centeredness separates us from the presence of God. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the only solution is faith in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why we're singing and worshipping and praying and praising and there's joy in the, in the house and in people's lives. Why? Because they've been set free from sin. But sometimes when we don't ask God to forgive us of our sin or we don't turn away from our sin and we willfully persist in it, it becomes like a wedge that separates us from God answering our prayers. A final reason why God doesn't answer some prayers is they're too safe and they lack faith. Jesus' highest priority for your life is not your comfort, it's your discipleship. It's to help you become more like Him. We live in a culture that is geared towards our comfort and convenience. And I don't blame any of us for enjoying those comforts. It's good to be comfortable, and yet that's not God's highest priority. His highest priority is that we would look more like Jesus. His highest priority is that we would fulfil purpose and destiny. His highest priority is that His kingdom would come and His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that every single man, woman, boy and girl would come to know Him as Lord and Saviour. And so He's not as committed to our comfort as we are to our comfort. He's committed to us learning to follow Him. Matthew 16, 25 says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Jesus calls us to a life of faith. And that faith extends to and includes our prayers. If you change your prayers, you change your life. God takes our prayers seriously. And there are three dangerous prayers in the Bible that I want us to explore together today. The first one is from David when we read it at the start of our message and it is, search me. The Bible says in Psalm 139, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, if ever there was someone who prayed from the heart, it was King David. King David gave us the Psalms. King David is spoken of in 1 and 2 Samuel, 1 and 2 Chronicles, in the early part of the Bible. There's history and there's all sorts of prayers that David prayed. David questioned God. Sometimes we think that we can't question God. Who are we to question God? And yet God is not intimidated by your questions. David complained against God and to God and it's okay to have a complaint. It's just where you take your complaint. I, like David, have a very honest relationship. Life doesn't, isn't always champagne and roses. Hello, somebody who's lived in Melbourne the last two years. Sometimes life downright sucks and sometimes you've got to be honest to God about it, but it's where you take your complaint. The Bible has a book in, called Lamentations, where it literally means complaint. You're lamenting and complaining about what's going on in your life. God's not intimidated by your complaints. He has answers for your complaints. Even the prophet Habakkuk stationed himself on the watchtower and said, let me see what God's gonna respond to my complaint with. 
And then God prophesied through him. You know you're bad when you ask the complaint or suggest a complaint and then you prophesy the answer back to yourself. And so the Bible is filled with real people having real conversations with God. Prayer is sacred communication between you and God. Prayer is intimate conversation with the Creator of the universe. And there is no prayer that will open a channel of communication to God quicker than the prayer, God, search me. Search my heart. Try me, test me, know my thoughts. Now you may say, well, why ask God to search your heart when God is perfect and divine? He's omniscient, which means He's all-knowing. He knows exactly what's going on in your heart. Why ask Him to do that? I mean, doesn't He know what's going on in my heart? I mean, even I know what's going on in my heart. And so why am I even asking God to search my heart? The answer is in Jeremiah 17, 9. Our hearts, the Bible says, is deceitful above all things and desperately sick who can understand it. The answer comes back, I, the Lord, search the heart, test the mind. You have to admit, on any given day, we are complicated individuals. I mean, just get married, you work out. We're complicated individuals. What you think is normal in your family of origin, get married, and that person thinks is normal in that family of origin, you discover is not normal. Work with any person. I mean, you know, just get out of the, the, the bunker of your home for a bit and go back to work and you realise people are complicated. Our hearts are complicated. It can feel like everything is right in life and yet maybe our hearts are discouraged or maybe we're, you know, impatient or moody. We are complicated individuals. You can't fully understand your own heart. The only person who can is God. He wired you, He created you, He made you, He knows you from beginning to end. When you pray that prayer, search me, He really does. It's not for His sake, it's for your sake so that you would see the condition of your heart for what it is because apart from Christ, our hearts are about ourselves and not others. Our hearts are about the temporary over eternity. It's about comfort to the exclusion of consecration. But the closer we get to Jesus, the clearer we can see our hearts for what they truly are. We can see our sinfulness. We can see those things that we need to grow in and work on with the Holy Spirit. That's not to shame you, that's to set you free. Whenever God reveals a weakness or sin or something in our lives, it's not so that you would just feel bad about yourself. It's to to set you free because the Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. You can deny it, live in ignorance and try and avoid the issues of the heart, but they'll only grow and they'll destroy your heart. The Apostle Paul One of the greatest, apart from Jesus, influences and leaders of the last 2,000 years has shaped more of Western civilization than people give him credit for. In his letters to different churches, he writes, and you can see this progressive journey in sanctification, which means to become more like Jesus. He begins by writing and says, I am the least of the apostles, the 12 apostles. I'm the least of the leaders. Then a little bit further on, he writes and he says, I am the least of the saints. Out of all the saints 
And the saints in the Bible aren't like really special people that the church acknowledges as being a saint. It's every single follower of Jesus. You're a saint, I'm a saint. We're saints. And so I, he goes, I'm the least of the saints. And then in the final days of his life, as he's writing from a prison cell in Rome, he writes, I am the chief of sinners. What's happening? As he's getting closer to Jesus, he's realising more the sinfulness of his own heart. He's dialing in and tuning in that apart from Jesus, he is lost in sin. You see, instead of asking God to do something for you in this season, and that's not a bad thing, maybe we should ask God to reveal something in us. And when we pray that prayer, God takes that prayer seriously. And maybe one of the things that He might reveal is our deepest fear. What we fear matters because what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. I remember growing up for me, I feared following Jesus, answering the call to to the full extent of what I knew He was calling of me. And I thought, well, my life's gonna be boring following Jesus. I mean, you know, some of these people, I like them, but some of them are weirdos and it's just gonna be boring or weird. And and if I answer the call of God to be a leader in in the church, you know, how is God gonna provide for me? And uh, where is provision gonna come from? And and because I saw different examples of people really struggling uh, in their ministry and in their life and, And it's interesting as I look back, everything that God's asked me to do over the last 20 odd years, He's proven to me, not only is following Jesus the complete opposite of boring, but it's an absolute adventure. But not only that, that God is incredibly generous to His kids. The Bible says, if you being sinful, evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will the Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him. If your view of God is of a grumpy, moody judge with a big stick that's ready to whack you the moment you do something wrong, you do not have a biblically accurate view of who our God is. And often our distorted view of God actually stops us from relating to God. Your revelation of Jesus or lack of will determine how you relate to Him. So for you today, God may be at a distance and, and you're sort of, you know, step away from the vehicle. I'll, I'll, I'll approach you from a thousand paces. But I'm telling you, God wants an up close and personal relationship with you. And part of that process is like through messages like this, where your thinking, your understanding of who God is, is reprogrammed and transformed according to the truth of God's yeah. Word. What fears are you withholding from God in this season? Maybe you're married and you've got certain fears about your spouse or your relationship or fears to do with children. Maybe you're single and you have fears about being single or about the dynamics of some of the things you're facing in your life right now. Maybe you have fears about your health. We've definitely over the last two years been exposed to the psychology of fear when it comes to the issue of COVID. And whilst absolutely we want to be wise and look after ourselves and follow relevant protocol to ensure our own well-being, it's interesting how some people who are perfectly well and healthy have bought into the psychology of fear and it's paralyzed them from moving forward in life. You need to know something. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love and 
and a sound mind. And we cannot stay paralysed in fear of health issues or even COVID all of our lives. We need to move forward into all that God has called us to because perfect love casts out all fear. And so we need to look after ourselves and exercise wisdom, seek the welfare of the city. All of those things are important, but we've got to keep moving forward in the purpose and destiny that God has for our lives. Maybe you have financial fears. Maybe one of the reasons why you withhold from God in tithes and offerings because you're worried about lack. Maybe you came from a family where there wasn't much money. Maybe you, you are afraid of losing the, the, the money that you have created or built in your life. And so maybe you're not as generous as maybe some other people around you because there's a fear that's attached to that. Maybe you're afraid of failure. Maybe there's something in ministry that you're afraid of, not getting an opportunity, not not missing that window of opportunity coming your way. Our fears matter because they show where we are relying on our own efforts instead of trusting Jesus as Saviour. Faith in Jesus doesn't mean you don't get scared. Faith in Jesus means you don't let that fear rob you of fulfilling the purpose and the destiny that God actually has for you. Because I've discovered what God actually wants for you is often on the other side of your greatest fear. In fact, everything God asked me to do was challenging my fear and yet God was showing to me, I can be faithful even in that area that you trust me the least. If you change your prayers, you change your life. God search me. Second dangerous prayer in the Bible is break me. This sermon just keeps getting better and better. Break me. You're like, I'm so glad I came to church today. Break me. You go, what's that about? Psalm 51, 16 to 17, for you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God. You will not despise. This is what I've learned about people. Everyone loves the prayer of Jabez. What's the prayer of Jabez? Lord, bless me, look after me, Enlarge my territory. Jabez means pain. He was literally birthed in pain. So his mum goes, Jabez, painful. And so how do you like me known as Mr. Painful? And so here he is and he's now sick of pain. He's sick of restriction. He's sick of limitation and he prays. And there's only two to three verses in the Bible dedicated to Jabez. And he says, God bless me, enlarge my territory. And the Bible says, God answered his prayers. Contrary to popular belief, God's okay with blessing you. God's okay with enlarging your territory. It's not some bad you get for sufferance and poverty. All right? God is okay. He's not necessarily into prosperity either. But what I'm saying is He's not into not blessing you. It's okay to ask God for things because God knows that there are practical things that we need. But everyone loves to pray that prayer. Even heathens I know prayed that God would bless them. It's funny how people who don't believe in Jesus, when something happens in their life, starts praying. Everyone prays. It's just when you pray, who you pray to and what you're praying for. But not everyone loves the prayer of Jesus. Prayer of Jesus is not my will, but yours be done. 
Following Jesus is a journey of progressive brokenness. It's not just a one-time event when you surrender your life to Christ. It's a daily decision. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, I die daily. What's he speaking about? He's speaking about dying to his self, his flesh, his sinful nature. I die daily. A.W. Tozer said this, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he has hurt him deeply. If ever you've been hurt by God, maybe it wasn't God actually hurting you in the first place. Secondly, maybe it's because God's trying to bless you and take you somewhere that you've never been before and you've misinterpreted the purpose of the trial that you went through. God loves you. He has your best interests at heart. But to be fully useful to God, you've got to be empty of yourself. And we see evidence and examples of this all throughout the Bible. In Mark chapter 14, we read of a former prostitute that brings an alabaster box of perfume. This alabaster box was worth, and the value of it was worth a year's wages. And she comes into a dinner setting where Jesus and all of his guests are there. And she kneels down and she breaks open that alabaster box and the fragrance fills the house and she anoints Jesus' body for burial. There would be no blessing if there wasn't any broken alabaster box. People around Jesus couldn't understand it. People tried to criticise this extravagant act of worship. How would it be if you took your annual salary and in one display of affection and worship, gave it all to Jesus. This is what this woman did. And not only that, but in that day, perfume as a prostitute was used as a tool to attract customers. What was she saying to Jesus? She was saying, I'm turning away from my former way of life and brokenness and I'm turning and I'm spending all of my life in extravagant worship towards you. Without the brokenness, there can be no blessing. Another example is Jesus in Mark 14 where He's breaking bread at the Last Supper and it's symbolising His broken body for you and I. And because Jesus' body was broken on the cross, you and I now have access to salvation from our sin and to receive the free gift of eternal life by faith in Jesus. Without Jesus' body being broken, there is no blessing of relationship with God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Three times the Apostle Paul pleaded with God to remove this thorn in the flesh. We don't know exactly what that thorn in the flesh is. It could have been a sickness. It could have been something else. could have been a critic. It could have been someone in his life But God said, no, He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. I want you to discover blessing in the brokenness. You see, could it be that our prayers for God's blessing are actually disguised in the form of brokenness? And the more we try to avoid the breaking process, the more we deny ourselves access to the greater blessing that God is actually wanting to answer our prayers with. You see, we don't realise when we pray, God bless me. We don't realise God has to change us so that we can become vessels fit to receive the blessing. We don't realise that even blessing is something to steward that requires a transformation of our hearts. 
Brokenness is not just for monks and missionaries in deep, dark jungles around the world. Brokenness is basic Christianity 101 for every single believer and follower of Jesus. It's not popular. It's not something that's gonna attract a crowd, but it's Bible and it's true and it's the pathway to blessing in your life. Change your prayers, you change your life. God, search me, test my heart. God, break me. Break off of me those things that are sinful, selfish, that separate me from you. And finally, God, send me. Isaiah 6, 8, 9, the prophet has an encounter with God. And he says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. And God said to Isaiah the prophet, go and speak this message to this people. You know, many years ago at JFK's inaugural presidential speech, he inspired the American public by declaring, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. I think maybe one of our prayers in this season should be, ask not what God can do for you, but what you can do for God. What if we really made ourselves available to answer God's call in 2022? I mean, what if we really stopped playing games and we put it on the line and we opened up every room of our heart and we said, God, whatever the answer is, whatever the question is, the answer is yes. Whatever you ask of me this year, I'm not gonna play games with you this year. It's yes. All of us know the frustration of, um, being stuck on call waiting. You know, and you, you pick up the phone and, and uh, you're there on your iPhone or your, your Samsung Galaxy that doesn't work because it blows up in your face and, and, and you're there and, and you're on the phone and, and maybe you're trying to call your telecommunication company or maybe you're trying to get your car serviced or maybe you need someone to come and fix your plumbing or maybe, you know, you're trying to book tickets to something and, and you're just spending, you know, like hours. I, on the holidays, I was at the golf driving range with uh, one of the team here and elders, Dr. Alan Meyer, and uh, there was a dude who hit balls for an entire hour. If you're wondering what that music is, that's um, weight music. And, 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 and we're at the driving range and literally he had his phone on loudspeaker and for the entire hour, he's waiting, call waiting to get through. And so he just decided, well, I may as well go hit golf balls while I'm waiting to get the breakthrough. I'm like, this guy's a genius. The next time I have to have call waiting, I'm going to the driving range. And so, we know the frustration of waiting to be talked to to help solve our problems. Imagine how God feels waiting for us to answer His call to go and follow Him or to go and speak to that person or to go on that mission trip or to go and answer that call to ministry or to reach out to a colleague, to be generous towards someone. For some of us, He's been waiting for decades for us to actually respond to His call. And unlike us, He's not frustrated because He's perfect. The Bible says He's long-suffering and He's patient. But can you imagine what it's like for God to send out calls, to knock on the door of our heart. The Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I believe this morning God is knocking on the doors of people's hearts, but it's up to you whether you open it. He's not gonna force his way in and just occupy your life. 
He's like, I love you. I created you. I've called you. I've hardwired you to fulfill purpose and destiny, but you've got to open up the door of your heart. And in faith, you've got to let Him in. There are three common responses when God calls us. First of all, there's the Jonah response. It's here I am, God, but I'm not going. Just to let you know. I'm here, but no, not going. I'll do a dusty, stiff arm. I'm not going anywhere. This is not happening. I heard you, but I'm stubbornly refusing to obey. You might have found yourself once or twice in that situation. And what's dangerous about it is you've been enlightened, you know, and now you're accountable. And James 4.17 says, anyone then who knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it for them, it's sin. For someone who is ignorant and doesn't understand it, for them, it's not sin. But once you've tasted of that heavenly gift, once you've been enlightened and now you are aware of that call, if you ignore it, now for you that's sin. And you're now accountable for that. The second response to God's call is the Moses call. It's here I am, God, but send someone else. I'm here, but this person over here is far more proficient and, you know, talented and anointed than I am. And so it's that I'm inadequate. God, don't you know I've got a stutter, as in Moses' case? Don't you know I've got problems? Don't you know I murdered someone back in Egypt? Don't you know I've got all these issues? It's like my grandfather. Oh no, I could never give my heart to Jesus because if I walked in the church, the roof would fall in. I'm like, where did you get that superstition from? I could never do it. I'm inadequate. But if you feel inadequate, welcome to the family. We're all inadequate. I mean, just look through the the list of who's who in the Bible. Moses was a murderer and a stutterer. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Rahab was a prostitute. Noah was a drunk who liked to get naked. Isaac was a daydreamer. Joseph was completely abandoned by his brothers. It's not exactly the list of Marvel's Avengers that God is just, you know, using to transform the world. He doesn't call the qualified, He qualifies the call. If you feel inadequate, welcome to the family. None of us are perfect. I know you'd like to think your pastor's perfect, but he's not. Just be with me the last two years in the pandemic and my wife will tell you, he's not. I wanna tell you today, we're all inadequate, but it's never been about your inadequacy. It's always been about His sufficiency. My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. The third response and the one that I'm advocating that we respond with today is Isaiah's response. It's here I am, send me. You say, well, what if God asked me to do something I don't wanna do? Have you ever asked that question? I have. But what that question actually reveals is that we don't truly understand the nature and character of God's goodness. Because whilst in the moment there may be resistance, in fact, I'll be honest, everything God asked me to do, I never had it in my 10-year plan or my five-year plan or my 50-lifetime plan or the bucket list or whatever. And yet, as I have responded and said, here I am, send me suffering, weeping, gnashing of teeth along the way, I've discovered it's been perfectly designed for my life. 
Isaiah answered God's call, not in a vacuum of relationship, but birthed out of an encounter with God. In verse one, the Bible says, he has an encounter with God. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. He sees the train of his robe filling the temple. He sees the Lord seated at the, at the right hand of the Father. He sees it and out of that encounter, he's commissioned. God says, who will go for us? And Isaiah says, I can trust that person. Here I am, send me. You see, when you see God for who he is, he shows you who you are. When was the last time you had an encounter with God that left you totally in awe and you said, how can I not serve Him, follow Him? I love what our friend shared at the baptism testimony today. We shared, I used to wonder, how could you believe in Jesus? But after an encounter with God, how could you not believe in Jesus? If you've allowed the constructs of our culture and society to dictate who you think God is or your response to God, I'm telling you, you need to look again. You need to see Him again for who really is because He loves you, He called you, He laid His one and only Son down on the cross for you so that you would have right relationship with Him. God wants you to experience Him, not just acknowledge Him with your mind. We're so sophisticated in our education as a culture, we think, if we understand it, then we've experienced it. No, there are some things called love that you may not understand, but you'll experience it. There are some things in life you may not fully understand in the moment, but your heart resonates. He didn't know why tears began to fall, but something in him experienced the love of Jesus, the power of his presence, and he was transformed forever. The Bible says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. If you change your prayers, you change your life. And when our prayers move from God, do this for me, to search me, break me, send me, the adventure begins. I wonder if over these next few hours and days of this consecration season, we could do a prayer audit of our prayers and ask ourselves, what are our prayers primarily about? Because if our prayers are primarily about serving us and our needs, then we believe God exists primarily for us. But if our prayers are about drawing closer to the heart of God, being more useful and available for Him in His kingdom, I tell you, they'll be dangerous prayers. They'll be, search me, God. Examine my heart. Break off of me sinful ways and send me to those people and to those situations where you can use me. Are your prayers too safe in this season or are they filled with faith? Are they dangerous? Because when we pray prayers on God's heart, I've discovered our lives simply cannot be the same. I wanna invite you to stand on your feet with me. And as we stand, our worship team's gonna come we're gonna have our prayer team at the front. And I wanna invite you to step out from where you are today because you may have a need that you need someone to actually stand with you in prayer. It could be a health need. It could be a provision need. Last week, I'd encourage you, if you haven't heard the message, go back and hear the message on how to break through because God does care about the things that are on your heart in this season. But today for some of us, maybe you might just wanna to come to the front and have someone pray with you as you pray, God search me. 
God, break me. God, send me. We're gonna present our bodies as living sacrifices again this year. It's not a one-time thing, it's a daily thing. And I invite you as we sing, make this a prayer of search me, God. Break me, send me. Make it an act of worship. Maybe come out the front and receive prayer. I'm asking for our prayer team to come now. And let's pray and let's worship together. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died and rose again, conquering sin, Satan and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.